Welcome to the Connecting Greeks podcast. We're connecting the Greek community all over the world through media, technology, and love for our culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Connecting Greeks podcast. I'm your host, Fotis Tamos, and with me, my co-host, Ari Kalos. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. And this is the podcast where we connect Greeks from all over the world. And with us, we have a very special guest, Urania Margomenu from Margo Wine Roots. Urania, welcome to the program. Hello from Athens, Kalispera. Uh, thank you for having the program. It is featured in uh, Connecting Greeks. It's our pleasure to have you, and I want to make a quick point. Obviously, we have a time difference here, and here it's about 5 p.m., and it's almost midnight in, uh, in a- close to Athens, so we want to thank you for staying up so late to be a part of this uh, segment. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's very hot, so nobody <laughs> can sleep in Athens <laughs> right now. Well, um, here it's also just as hot, so the weather feels like it's in Greece, but obviously, yeah. uh, unfortunately... Much more humid over here. We're stuck inside our homes, right? But uh, <laughs> at least we can we can explore virtually about being in Greece through this exactly. interview. But, I will try uh, and, and make you feel as if you're in Greece for, a, for an hour. <laughs> so, Urania, you, you, you bring a very important and special to element for myself personally that, you know, being in the or dabbling in the wine industry and being Greek as well, um, you've put together a an amazing program uh, that actually puts together wine tours uh, in Greece. Mm-hmm. And for many, many years, I've thought about, you know, it'd be great at some point for this to become a reality. And here you are making it a reality. And I wanted to commend you for putting such an amazing program that allows visitors to actually explore the different um, properties and vineyards in, uh, through your lens. Well, thank you. I think uh, Greece and Greek wine has a story to tell. And uh It took me many years to put it together, I I must admit. It wasn't an easy task uh, because everybody had to be on the same uh, uh, page on on this project. So we only had examples from uh, abroad, how it was done. But then our territory is different, our wines are different, and our culture is very different. So we had to bring everybody along and... uh, the legislation had to change okay. uh, because uh, 10 years ago, nobody was allowed to step into a winery and go around and explore the areas where wine was made, being made. Was there a reason uh, for that? I think it was primarily health and safety. Okay, that makes and sense. Then, and then it was the issue of uh, alcohol being uh, sold. They uh, didn't have uh, the... Licensing or permitting. Exactly. Yeah, they were just producing. They weren't uh, doing all the other functions. So, you know, winemakers had to change their view of, uh, you know, their wineries and and become more hospitable and, you know, change their way of seeing their business, not just producing wine, but welcoming consumers in as well. Well, tell us a little bit about how did you end up getting involved? Like, where did it all begin for you to come to this point where you decided to put together wine tour Um, give us a little bit of a a brief uh timeline of how this all happened um i may start with uh, my studies i I studied at uh, in boston uh, massachusetts i completed a degree in uh, hospitality administration and obviously our labs was food and wine cooking 
wine tasting yes. and all sorts of fun, fun things. Um, and that's where I got my first, uh, my initial uh, exposure to proper wine. Back then in Greece, you would obviously enjoy wine while uh, eating with your family, but Correct. more bulk, it wasn't bottled. And wine has always been in the eating and drinking culture of a Greek trapezi, of a Greek table. Excellent. Uh, but it wasn't in a very organized form. So I think in, in the States, I came across in a more... Uh, Structure. Proper, yes, of presentation, of, uh, of the whole... Uh, Approach, uh, the, probably the etiquette. Exactly, yeah. And serving and all and that. Serving. Yeah, I can, I can understand because growing up as a Greek-American, uh, there was always wine at the table, uh, even from when I was from a young age. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed part of our, of our uh, to-do things. It wasn't something that was a ceremony or there was no presentation and there was no etiquette of the right wine glass we drink yeah. out of, what we drink first, what we drink last. So I, 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 I know where you're going with that. But Ania, you, you went to Boston University? Yes, I, do. I, I don't want to ruin the relationship here, but you know, Foti went to Boston College, so I'm, I, I'm glad you're at least talking to him. <laughs> well, I got to say, all right, real quickly, I, I got to say that despite mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, I, maybe it's in our Greek blood because, you know, we're very <laughs> territorial uh, back in the Spartan days, but I did a semester at BU just, mm -hmm. just to kind of, you know, see what it was like, and it was a great experience. It was a good school, very international, very international. Yeah, very international. And uh, a pro, and before pre eleven nine eleven, so yeah. everybody's very cheerful, very carefree. Yeah, so yeah. it was a wonderful time to be. I miss those days. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yes, and I, I did my. Uh, I had to do a training course, complete my degree. So I worked without get at the Ritz Carlton. So I consider the uh, established hotels or landmarks to be yeah, definitely landmarks. Yes, be my first work experience, which I'm very proud of. Um, and then I moved to London, UK. Um, I had the option of going back home, but then I, I realized that I will go eventually. So why not gain some more experience? I worked at the Dorchester Hotel on Park Lane. I started off uh, as, a, as an assistant steward in the kitchens. And then uh, a year after, I got promoted um, in the purchasing department as a wine buyer. So I spent the the last three years of my four years in London, uh, I spent them as a wine buyer, drinks, wines, spirits, cigars, everything. Uh, it was a huge operation. We had five people being involved in uh, the wine buying procedure. We had a seller person. We had two sellers, one for red and one for white. Wow. 600 labels and many, many tastings. We got invited everywhere to taste new vintages. Because obviously with uh, the weather conditions in, uh, in France, uh, each vintage has to be tested and tried before it's launched. They're so, they're so different from one year to the other, right? Mm. Whereas in Greece, you don't have that. See, the, the climate is very stable. You have either excellent years or good years. You don't really have bad years. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't pay for that, to have that kind of consistency. <laughs> no. So it's not such a big thing, you know, checking the vintages on Greek wines. So there's a safer chance that with Greek wines, they'll be a little more consistent because exactly. of the in the quality and what you expect on, on the right. bottle. So that, that's where I got my more professional approach to wine. 
Uh, obviously, back then, England was not producing anyone. So they were importing wines from all parts of the world. Um, and we were very much into the scene uh, as a hotel. Uh, we had a lot of celebrities staying at the time. You know, we had any, um, any celebrities you can mention that you got to meet? That's I'm, worth mentioning. I got to actually buy things for them. Oh. Uh, when the friends came over to do the, the London marriage, Ross got married in London. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they, they stayed there and they wanted to drink only water, Crystal Gazer, in half. Oh. And it was a pain getting it from the state. <laughs> California wine. No, no, it was a water. A bottle of oh, water, water. water. <laughs> but, you know, Tom Hanks would stay, Kidman were filming, eyes wide shut. And wow. did any of those guests that you can remember, were any of them really into wine? That had a palate um, that you can remember? Not them uh, particularly. We had more British. They would ask for special and oh, okay. uh, old. Got it. Cool. But it was, a, you know, it was a, an eye-opening experience. I mean, Definitely. It, uh, many tastings that I would attend. And that's why I got to learn more. We had in-house training with uh, the WSCT. Uh-huh. That's where I took my first class uh, of wine appreciation. Uh, so it was a magical time for me, uh, those sure three. sounds like it. Yeah. Great wine, celebrities, uh, <laughs> property, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's definitely great energy uh, in itself. A tough job, but someone had to do had to it. And what I needed to the rescue. Yes. So then, so you, so you, you had this great experience in London, and then from that point on, where where do you go from there? Well, I came eventually back to Greece. I worked in restaurant hotels, but I was always very close to food and wine, uh, either near the kitchen, purchasing and buying wine. Um, and um, I went to Santorini for a season at the Vedema, yep. and I was the buyer, general buyer, plus wines. Um, and I visited some wineries back in 2000, but they were just starting as Zidakis because and Sigala's taking his first steps. Uh, and we also had, as a Vedema hotel, we had a, a wine tasting for our guests every afternoon. Did you say Vedema? Vedema. Yeah, that's in Megalochori. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, not to cut you off, yes. uh, a gentleman by the name of Adonis Iliopoulos. Yeah, He's the owner. I have to quick story, not to, to ruin the interview, but <laughs> you just brought up some memories. Uh, yeah. So when Adonis had launched his wine back in 2001 and mm-hmm. two uh, we opened the restaurant with a group of people in boston and we actually got to to bring his wine to the restaurant we were pouring his acetico uh, by the glass mm-hmm. back in 2001 2002 and because of the relationship we got to visit uh the demo and stay on the property which was an amazing story um how he how he basically unless he was joking with me how he basically found the property by accident and bought it from a young fellow who was mm-hmm. looking to buy a car and gave him the property in exchange for the purchase of a vehicle. I don't know. I don't know the full story, but I know that... Well, this was after a couple of bottles of wine uh, that we had this conversation. But I mean, it's true. <laughs> in any event, um, it was a, an amazing property. He told me that Angelina, Angelina Jolie... Uh, that was the year I was there. You were there? Yes, I was oh, there. Oh, wow. And... Uh, I would recommend anyone. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on at Vedema, but uh, definitely a resort that I would highly recommend. 
uh, for anyone uh, who wants to see a, a, an amazing experience. It is, and it's uh, surrounded by vineyards. It's actually built inside a vineyard. Medieval, medieval structure, right? It yeah. was. Uh, and back then, it wasn't really preferred because it w- it didn't have a caldera view, so you couldn't see the caldera. Right. So it was considered a less important. Uh, because of the views. Property, yeah. But I think they had an amazing service. They made up. Uh, they made up in the, the service they had. And if I'm not mistaken, I think, weren't they part of the Starwood Resort yes, Network, were. which yeah, was yeah. one of the few Starwoods in Greece at the time? Exactly. Well, they did a very good job. And they had repeat guests throughout the season. I was there for only one. I enjoyed it, but I was too old, let's say, for doing seasonal work back then. Uh, I was the oldest one of the team. <laughs> but I wanted to go and see how it is. Right. You know, doing a season on an island. I had a wonderful time. I went there in April and left. In- so at that time, in that experience, did you start to notice the possibilities, potential that Greece has uh, from your return back to Greece? Yes, but uh, I didn't put together until very later. Right. With wine, I knew that there was a story uh, that had to be told. Yep. Compared to the other stories from other parts of her. You know, Greece had mythology, had the, the wine god. Dionysus. Uh, we had the whole package. <laughs> um, and then uh, various 2000, the decade, uh, started doing very strategic uh, market wine. Get people get to, for people to know what Greek wine is all about right. and why it's different. Santorini played a key role because it had the different the volcanic soil, it had uh, the history of the volcano, uh, it had a wonderful powerful wine variety, a Sirtico, and it became the flagship. And it had some history, right, of winemaking from thousands of years ago that we traced. Yes. So that's a great starting point. So Sandoni pretty much uh, started it all for the um, the uplift in the reputation. I think. And Santorinians know how to promote uh, their story. They're really great story. Mm. Uh, they're hardworking and set goals. That's why they're too. He's doing great exceptions. Little bit of land that they had is known to every part of the world. Right, it's tiny compared to other locations worldwide. I read an interesting um, article statistically, I I forget how many thousands of residents live all year round in in Santorini, which is in the tens thousand or less than 10,000 or somewhere. Two or 3,000. And then, but the island receives over one season, which I think is from April to November, over a million visitors. That's correct. That's, that's insane. I, just the thought of how many people need to be accommodated, mm-hmm. like that's a well-oiled machine, if you ask me. And, you know, they've done beautifully up to now. Yes. they great. And every year they get better and better. They, do, they never um, well, stay put. If I can say from the marketing side, at least here in the U.S. and R, you can – you know, you give me your opinion, but uh, whoever I come across, non-Greeks, whenever the term Santorini comes up, it's mm-hmm. always been either I've been there on my honeymoon mm-hmm. or I took my wife there for vacation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it amazes me how that's the identity mm-hmm. that Santorini has placed, at least in the in the eyes of the Americans here. Yes. It's the ultimate destination. Exactly. And uh, in the last few years, wine has been added too. In that, uh, it's, well, I guess it's always been there, but it was never really. It was felt like it was just part of the experience. Yes, but see, Santorinians uh, being very proactive, 
uh, they never sell bulk. The wine, their wine always comes in a bottle right. with a clear name on it. And people can photograph it, can learn how to pronounce it. And then obviously when they go back home, they ask for it. Other parts of Greece still go on more bulk consumption than bottles. And well, I, think I see it's getting better. It is getting better. Getting but, better. Uh, you know, they were really good at putting their label out there to be noticed. I was very uh, happy to see in the last handful of years the restructuring of uh, providing from the government uh, the, the PDO, which we can talk about, the protection of regions like they do in other countries. I was so happy to see that because I think that now uh, the rest of the world will take us more serious as producers. Well, yeah. No, no. And uh, every year we do Inora, which is a, one of mo- the biggest... Uh, I think the wine. largest? It is the largest on Greek wine. Yes. But now it's, it's, it lasts three days. So it's for three days in yep. Zapia and Megaron, in, right in the center of Athens. And for the last three years, we get a lot of uh, foreign press. Many buyers from abroad come in and uh, taste the wines. So it's becoming a more very important international wine, Greek wine exhibition, let's say. This year, due to the pandemic, it didn't happen. It had to be canceled. Uh, You know, things are moving, and I'm really happy to see that because the Greek wine is well worth it. Well, Uh, I have to say, Urania, there was a moment here uh, that was this huge disconnect where years ago, uh, Greek wines were uh, considered in the top list of import imports out of the uh, into the U.S. Uh, back in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. thanks to the the winery Ahia Klaus, uh, yes. made a big big statement in the U.S. back then. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, through changes and different reasons, uh, that started to kind of dwindle. And then there was a disconnect. And then there was a resurgence of wines back in the late. 90s and things have kind of slowly coming back to what they used to well sort of what they used to be but if i'm not mistaken this is a a a fun fact that i have klaus uh is the only wine greek winery that has registration in every state in the united states so back in the 60s and 70s i have klaus was being distributed in every state including alaska and hawaii wow well it was established in the 1800s that was right. one of the first, if not the first winery in Greece, uh, that Klaus was actually a, a Bavarian that oh. came with the Othon, uh, yeah, with King Othon. And that's where he set up uh, his uh, winery. He really enjoyed the Mavro Daphne, the, yes. the dessert wine from, uh, from that variety. Which the downside, to, not to cut you off, is unfortunately there was mainly four uh, skews of wine, Greek wine from my hair class that was on, the, on every shelf. It was Domestica White, Domestica mm-hmm. Red, Retsina, and Mavrodafni. Mm-hmm. So the identity of Greek wines back then, just because of this placement, was most folks associated, well, most Americans associated mm-hmm. Greek wines with either Retsina or Mavrodafni. That's, but see, that's that's how the evolution started. All these uh, wine grow, vine growers that were selling their grapes to big companies like Tandalis, like Cajaya Klaus, uh, like Haji um, Mihali, that's another big one, Butari, uh, they started actually keeping the grapes and opening their small boutique wineries and putting their name on the bottle. Right. So uh, they didn't just 
pop up. They were there cultivating their vineyards, but selling their grapes instead of actually making the wine for themselves. Uh, so that's why we have smaller grow gro- producers, let's say, because they don't have vast, uh, vast pieces of uh, land. I see. So the the evolution continues. Um, I've noticed in the last 10 years um, just a huge uh, increase in the presence of new wineries or families who were growers for many years started to, uh, with their children of the next generation, is to create uh, a production company and, and produce wine. I'm seeing all these fascinating approaches in Greece that are uh, cutting-edge producers who are taking classic um, traditional methods of making wine and combining them with modern uh, techniques and technology and equipment. It's as if we're, we, I say we, because I feel I'm just as Greek, even though we're Greek-American, that we're just, we're right there with every other nation who is uh, producing interesting, natural, uh, and very clean wines for the market. And what wine, winemakers have experimented. Yes. They, they've learned the basics. They went out uh, in Bordeaux, in, uh, in Dijon, in Germany, and they came back with a basic uh, you know, knowledge of winemaking. Right. Then they started experimenting, and they really enjoy this process. They didn't just stay on the basic, uh, you know, three labels from their vineyards, and that's it. Uh, they constantly innovating. And that's but- what... They put it together, and my, I'm surprised how fast they've been able to take this information, the experiences, and start converting it into reality. Because um, for me, it's like I felt like, whoa, in the last couple of years, I've seen this huge uh, increase of you know, uh, producers who are doing things naturally. They're doing pet nut. They're doing orange wine in Greece. They're doing all these innovative uh, ways of producing wine that I, you know, I've read about from Italy in Spain and France that were happening not too far behind. They're really enjoying it, and they're existing with indie varieties very well. So I think part of their so, good results and quick results is that, uh, you know, they, they work with the environment in harmony. Uh, so, you know, no fertilizers. Most of the Greek ones are uh, bio-cultivation without the, um, the certification. Correct. But they were saying in one winery that if I put... Acertico, for example, I don't need to spray at all. If I put Chardonnay, I have to, to spray seven times. Right. And big then difference. you see, yeah, it's a very big difference. And it's good that most Greeks experiment with indigenous Greek varieties. That, is, that, well. is, that for me is very inspiring that, uh, you know, even though prior in the last 20 years, there were wineries that wanted to include um, mm-hmm. international varieties in their, in their production, which I can understand why. But now that a lot of producers are just focusing on their local indigenous variety, is very inspiring to know that, you know, these are very unique opportunities because these varieties don't grow anywhere other than Greece. Exactly. And they've adapted really well to the drought, which is something that we will see a lot in, you know, high temperatures, no water. But yeah. still, they grow strong and without any stress or pressure. They enjoy that. Some right. varieties. Ideal. Yeah. You know, many wineries in uh, Spain are buying uh, Greek varieties to test in their soil because they think since they're adaptable to drought, they might be uh, the answer to you know, the years to come of uh, water supplies. 
Well, it sounds like uh, we've come to the rescue again because we came to the rescue for the French back in the 1920s when uh, Phylloxera was devastating um, the French, um, was it the Muscat industry and where Samos played an important role in in saving France's uh, Muscat business. Still, Samos supplies. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, Urania, I think, um, and correct me, uh, because of that situation, uh, where Samos uh, came to the rescue to assist uh, France in that uh, catastrophe, is that the French government um, appointed the only AOC, I'm sorry, appointed the only French AOC outside of France to Samos. So Samos has a French appellation designated to them because of the, re- the, the relationship. I saw, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, it's it's been documented that I've always used in my selling points from years ago of, of why Greece is, uh, is just as, as a great uh, wine-producing region. But it fascinates people to, to understand that there was a time that Greece came to the rescue for the French. And then I think also Samos supplies bulk to the Vatican as well. They do so, excellent, excellent dessert wine, great value. Uh, great value, because guts uh, or dessert wines can be pretty pricey. So now, Rania, that you've got to see the evolution, the progression, and the advancement of, uh, of the Greek wine industry at all different levels, um, at what point now do you start to get the itch to say, this is the time for me to put together this idea and concept of putting together wine tools? It was about 10 years ago, uh, and it was purely egoistic. I wanted to, without having to drive with my car, visit wineries, enjoy the wine, visit, uh, meet the winemakers, and uh, do all that with a minivan so that I don't have to care about the road signs, uh, the road maps, nothing. And uh, then I realized that more people would actually enjoy having a carefree wine tour of a a wine-producing region. And that's how it it started slowly uh, forming into my head, how... I will go about uh, launching this launch, idea. Launch. Um, well, I, I had to uh, found a, a travel agency. So I yep. have uh, you know, the Greek uh, National Greek uh, Tourism Board. I have a pool license. I found the, the minivan owners that can actually go and, and take the... Well, how, so how many people fit in the minivan? Well, I, would, I always choose... Uh, the 20-seater or the 36-seater. Wow, that's a uh, that's like a full bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need some space. They don't always get full. I go for uh, for groups of 12 to 15 people, more like a you know, a, a big uh, parea. And it, it's still small enough to be intimate, but it's still big enough to have fun and, and enjoy each other's company. And it's not just wine. You know, it comes into daily ritual to share your thoughts, pictures, the emotion. Uh, then cooking, the actual station, pita. Nice. <laughs> or uh, prepare a quick uh, appetizer to go with wine. Um, local uh, products is uh, worth it to know about the Don't yeah. really make, make it outside but still, they're very it's not just wine, the cultural customs, the lifestyle. Yes, love uh, them wherever. Yeah, you can tell a lot. Relation living is area by the way they dream down. It's yeah. always a good time, isn't it? It's always a good time. So you have a pretty fun, fulfilled um, program. So it's not just about the wine; it's about 
the actual, um, you know, feeling of being with the locals, you know, from the food, from the interaction, uh, from uh, what goes in the day-to-day life of the of the locals of the area, and obviously wine happens included, um, which is very unique uh, because most wine tours around the world, the ones that I've been to, is just basically about the winery and the winemakers, and it, you know, there's very little presence of food or uh, you know, conversation outside of wine, but I think that that rounds off the experience. You need to share, to share wine experience. Now, obviously, there is free time, friends or couple. Uh, it's important connection, connects it. So do you... So, that's, that's my take on how... And I, li- and, I like, and I like the way you approach it because that's the kind of tour that I would want to experience because, you know, it's, it's all about the whole package. And what is the whole package? It's about the experience with, with that specific designated area. Um, do you, so in your offerings of your tours, um, can you tell us a little bit about, do you have, uh, certain locations that you, that you, that you, um, you tend to stick to, or do you explore outside of your area? Just a little bit about any different, uh, options that you've put together that would be into the guests. Well, I always go my explore the area before put together, uh, an itinerary of a tour. So, uh, in on my website, I have day trips starting from Athens uh, for for travelers that stay in Athens or around Athens, and they would like to spend an afternoon visit in the Attica vineyards, which okay. is uh, forty five minutes away from city center. So it is an excellent opportunity to see the the one of the oldest vineyards in the world. <laughs> so that's pretty much a great day trip, forty five minutes away from the center. It is. And, uh, it sounds pretty fulfilling. Yeah. And also there's Nemea, very close to Athens. It's, now, can uh, I make a point about Nemea? I'm a big mythology buff. So is that where Hercules slayed the lion? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, they have this great emblem, the lion. I think yes. uh, that gives them a lot of positive energy, I think, in the area. Very I, strong. I, every time I visit Nemea, I feel strong. Yes, I think so. And the red, you know, very red. Uh, colored uh, wine yes really blood red anyway i enjoy the man um further down is mandinia which is more known for its whites muscofile yes. uh, so it really depends on uh, if the participants want more to more reds or more whites uh, or okay. combination but this takes more time it's not a, a quick five-hour uh, day trip it will take eight hours but still, it's worth the visit because you get to visit two very, very well-known uh, regions in uh, Greece, Nemea and Linnea. Are any of these tours like overnights where you stay overnight in an area? Uh, no, but it Not can yet. be arranged. I mean, if if people have two days, uh, yeah. we can split Nemea, uh, go to Nafplion, do the overnight there. Oh, I love Nafplion. Yeah, and next day, visit Madinia and return to Athens. It's okay. a nice a mini break. Um, so... And I'm sure you have all this information on your website, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I also do uh, multiple day tours. I have the uh, the round of uh, Peloponnese, which takes six days. And you go around find all the different wine regions. And there's also a nine-day tour of Corini. Very nice, too. Not, not to be selfish, but uh, do you do anything in Monavasia? Because my, my wife's family is from there. And I've had some exceptional white wine when we visit every summer. Well, not every summer, but mm. is that would that ever be in the itinerary? 
Uh, well, yes, because it's in the circle. <laughs> but it's far. Yes, and Membasia is coming up really uh, in the last two, three years with yes. Kidonita. That's yes. a, a new discovery with the Malvasia dessert wine that's been uh, awarded year after year from mm -hmm. uh, Monemasia Winery. We should talk at some point about a possibility mm -hmm. for there as well. Mm -hmm. No, it's... No, and, and there was a, a quick point that we want, that you wanted to make before we, we were uh, coming to the finale is that you wanted to express the importance of how years ago Greek vines made their way around Europe. Yes. Did you want to Did you want to touch on that real quick? I wanted to just mention that, uh, according to history, wine making, wine cultivating, came to Greece probably via Egypt, uh, from Middle East, Egypt, and then Crete, Santorini, and it spread in uh, in the mainland. And uh, Greeks, being explorers of the sea, and uh, actually founding all these um, colonies in the Mediterranean basin. Uh, they took with them wines, vines, and the whole uh, winemaking uh, culture. Right. So, in a way, I think Greece was the first European soil to have winemaking, and it spread its, uh, its, its roots. Its roots. In the whole of Europe. Yes. So, what people consider old world, I think Greece is even older. I agree. So, unfortunately, we need to get, we need to take more credit for that. Exactly. But unfortunately, so, I think that's going to be very challenging with the French and the Italians. Well, we need to make a stand. I mean, uh, yes. I only offer Greek tours. I don't do other European countries. Other people Good. do that. But I'm more excited and I want to tell the Greek story. Excellent. So, Urania, tell us a little bit about how can our guests learn more about uh, your services, your, how they can get information, your website, your social media handles? Uh, I always uh, publish the next year's tours in uh, late uh, autumn. So this coming November, I will have together all, you know, all the prices, all the package uh, okay. tours that I will offer in 2021. Uh, so people can visit my website, which is... Uh, uh, www.margowineroots.gr uh, and uh, I do have an Instagram account Facebook and LinkedIn Excellent. people are very welcome and I'll be delighted to answer any questions they have I do put out detailed itineraries per day what on each one you know on each day what the, and the program is uh, prices, what it includes, what it doesn't include, and I try to be as clear as possible. And we'll definitely also share any of your information to our network because we are huge fans of what you're doing. And well, at some point, fun. we will definitely experience one of your tours personally. Uh, there's nothing better than a personal experience uh, as well. I would love and to welcome you back in Greece. Absolutely. And one, one uh, couple more questions before we, we finish off is, what what's Urania drinking these days as for wine? Uh, I'm more of a white wine person, rosé as well. Uh, so I, I drink uh, during the summer. It's very refreshing. I will have an acertico if mm. I get get my hands on one because you know they become very scarce. Well, how'd they get now? I know. <laughs> the, we'll some from here. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, I love Profilero. Uh, and acidico from other parts, which is more floral than mineral. Definitely. Uh, so I like that different approach. The and then no, my last question is, any upcoming winemakers or wineries that we should look out for? Cretans. Okay. All appropriate. We just had a Cretan wine webinar. Yeah. yeah definitely check that out, and we'll be posting it as well as a podcast. No, there. You know, in the last few years, they managed to showcase wonderful indigenous varieties. Uh, and also, they they do miracles incorporating in their hospitality and in their authentic uh, way of welcoming guests. So it becomes the ultimate... Uh, the ultimate experience. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's vacations, it's wine tours, it's food tours, it's everything. So I Beautiful. think... Yeah. They're great people. And I definitely, I definitely want to take uh, you guys up on the offer of, of doing a wine tour as soon as we can. But Urania, can you keep, uh, you said you have a 30-person bus. Keep 40 in the back, and I'll sit up the front. Is that okay? All five seats. <laughs> is, yeah. there a, is there a door in the back just in case I need to jump out? <laughs> Excellent. No, well, I hope to see you soon. Yes, uh, Urania, thank you so much uh, for not just joining us uh, in the wee hours in Athens right now, but uh, joining us on our other webinars where for us it's evening and for you it's uh, uh, early morning uh, that you have the courage and the strength to join us. That for me is, is an honor that, uh, that you would take the time to do so. We're definitely going to have you back again with us uh, as a guest, but also to join us on the side as well with other webinars. We, we feel that you're very important to the whole picture of the the uh, the initiative for Greek wines to make a presence in the market. Yep. So thank you very much. I know you're going on holidays soon, so we want you to enjoy your holidays and stay cool. Well, I'll discover more wines for <laughs> Yes, and report back to us on what you've been I drinking. Will. Or send us post sure. of what you're drinking. <laughs> I will. Well, thank you for having us. Our pleasure. great to tell people I do. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, Ari... We want to, yeah, we want to thank you again. And uh, everybody check out the notes in the podcast for all the links to Urania's uh, website, social, everything. You could find it uh, by listening or by checking the, the notes in the podcast. Thank you very much, everyone. And stay cool and stay uh, uh, and have a wonderful summer. And we'll see you soon. Thank, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Urania. Thank you.